So here we go. Season 2021-22 is virtually a wrap. And we're going to spend this episode, episode seven, part A of Out on the Paddock, immersing ourselves in some of the most amazing grand finals played around many of the regional areas of WA country cricket in the past month. My name's Rob Marshall. Out on the Paddock is a podcast brought to you by the WA Country Cricket Board. And this is an episode that you truly want to invest in and wrap yourself around the incredible cricket, the pinnacle matches that have been played in WA country cricket this past season. So sit back and enjoy. It's great to have you joining us again on Out on the Paddock, Episode 7, Part A. This is the new section of our uh, Out on the Paddock podcast and uh, I've got a real array of uh, amazing people who are going to join me in this session of Out on the Paddock. Um, at the time of recording this episode, we want to just make a, an initial shout-out to uh, a product of WA Country Cricket, Teague Wiley, who's been selected in the uh, West Australian eleven. We're extremely proud of Teague and what he's achieved and many of us have uh, for years followed him on social media as he's, he's toted out his sessions and the amazing things that he's done. And I've got a son who absolutely just looks up to him and thinks he's amazing. And it's only just over a year ago that we saw him uh, crack out a, a great 50 half century at, at the Wacker, playing for Peel in their victory over Albany in the uh, Senior Country Week final of 2021 shared in a uh, huge partnership, over 100, with Corey Wosley that uh, for those who were there that day will remember that forever, I reckon. So to see Teague now representing Western Australia, another country product, we're absolutely super proud of him and we wish him all the best for his career ahead, which no doubt is just going to go further and further ahead. Most cricket associations across Western Australia now have wound up for season 21-22. At the time we... Uh, bring this session to you. Grand finals have been played, the Whites are being put away and and uh, we sadly bid goodbye to another season, a season that's been difficult, one that we've called out in previous episodes that we've had our challenges with and continue to have our challenges with. Um, but we're absolutely super proud of the way um, regional cricket associations have tackled those challenges head on and in most cases have, uh, have come up trumps with their end results. And it's that that we're going to focus on in this episode of, of Out on the Paddock. We're going to, uh, over this episode and potentially the next news episode of Out on the Paddock, we're going to make sure we capture the history of all the grand finals that have happened in all regional um, centres and country regions around Western Australia um, so that those that have uh, held the flag high of winning premierships and those who maybe didn't quite get to that uh, point, can look back with pride at their season and what they've achieved. And uh, as a result, we're going to go through a number of special guests to, to bring a bit of backstory behind those particular matches. And the first one we're going to call in, and he's uh, the Country Cricket Board uh, representative for uh, the Wheat Belt, and that's Brady Garner. Great to have you with us, Brady, on the on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It's awesome to be on and, um, yeah, really looking forward to being part of it. Yeah, no, mate. Uh, you've been uh, you've been sensational since you've uh, joined us on the Country Cricket Board uh, a, a year or so back, I think, from memory. And um, mate, you're uh, you, you're absolutely doing incredible things out in the wheat belt. And I know the challenge that you guys 
have got um, with numbers and and uh, issues around um, people obviously moving to more major centres and stuff like that, and yet you guys are continuing to tackle that head on. Has it been another challenging season for uh, associations in the wheat belt? I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's always challenging, um, and it's getting more and more challenging. But um, I suppose it, it brings about opportunities that we can we can work towards, and and I, I guess for for me the main thing is that. Uh, we've got cricket in the wheat belt and, and we continue to have cricket as an option uh, for for anyone who wants to play in the wheat belt um, and especially for juniors coming through as well. Um, we don't want to lose them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I've mentioned it a few times. Um, my my origins effectively started in the wheat belt with my dad out in uh, East Broom Hill Cricket Association at the time or I think it might have been Katanning, uh, East Broom Hill. So uh, I have a real heart for wheat belt cricket and we look across WA regional cricket over the last 115 years and for large parts of it, it was and still remains the heartland of WA country cricket, the wheat belt. So, uh, mate, kudos for everything you guys are doing out there and I know there's so many of you who just continue to fight so hard to ensure that the wheat belt has such a great presence in WA country cricket. One of those areas of WA country cricket that is just simply almost legendary in in certainly in country week and country cups of days gone by is the the wild catch and cricket association and uh i believe or not i believe i know um that it recently uh the the wild catch and cricket association celebrated its centenary and uh what a hundred years it's been! It's obviously, kicked off in season nineteen twenty one twenty two. Had uh, two clubs back then: North and South Wildcatcham, and North and South Corralocking. I hope I've got that right, uh, mate. Do you want to tell us a little bit about one? You know, the the proud history of the Wildcatcham Cricket Association, and also the recent celebration that was had. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm very proud to have been involved in the Wiley Cricket Association and and um, to be able to reflect upon 100 years of history. Um, I mean, cricket in the area goes back a little bit further than that, but as an organised association, that's that's sort of where we kicked off. And um, and we were part of Country Week as well from the very early years and, and all throughout that time. So, yeah, certainly for me, it's something that I'm I'm proud of um, and and looking to continue and, and keep that Wildcatch and um, history going. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of changes in those um, 100 years. As you said, we started off with just the two clubs who fielded two teams each um, in one grade. Um, that's changed to now we've got five clubs based in five different towns. Um, that has been as high as 10 clubs in the late 90s when the Wongan Hills um, Cricket Association um, merged into the Wiley Cricket Association. Um, but, yeah, we've had uh, 31 teams throughout the hundred year history, which is, um, it's, I've, I've done a bit of a chart up, uh, a bit of a timeline and it's, um, yeah, quite interesting to see w- when teams came in and, and went out and which towns had teams. Um, even now my, my club, West Yorkerkine, Yorkerkine is hardly a town, but we've still got a cricket side. So it's, it's funny to see those sorts of, um, those sorts of teams that managed to keep going despite, uh, all, all the challenges that get thrown at them, I suppose. So we celebrate lots of legends in WA country cricket, and as I've said a couple of times recently, you know we don't we we're careful not to throw around the word legend too much. It's uh, easy enough to do, but harder to uh, sort of justify. But um, 
There was a guy back in 1930 from Wildcatcham, I believe, who was playing cricket flat out in Wildcatcham and then suddenly, a bit like Teague Wiley, he's representing Western Australia. You want to tell us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, that's right. Harry Lang um, in 1930 was was playing in the Wildcatcham Cricket Association and and doing really well, got picked to go away to Country Week and, and had a good week at Country Week for Wiley and then from there got picked in the um, the Country 11 side to play against the Metro 11 and then from there straight into a tour match against the Australian 11. So um, ended up playing a couple of Sheffield Shield games as well. But I guess um, times are probably a little bit different now and, and those <laughs> pathways are, are in place um, are slightly different. But I guess it goes to show if you if you have a good run of form, then never count yourself out. Exactly. No, it, you're spot on. It is a little bit different now. It's certainly back then. I think there might be uh, half a dozen cases of players playing out in the bush one minute and then representing WA the next minute, but uh, may not quite happen that way. But as proved by Teague Wiley, uh, have a good performance at something like a senior country week final or whatever, it doesn't hurt, put it that way. So uh, next minute your, your star is on the rise. So first of all, before we get into the recent Wiley grand final, um, the centenary itself had a, had a bit of a celebration and had a, had a bit of a, you know, sort of a match and, and a few other bits and pieces going on? Yeah, we um, yeah had a celebration at the Wiley Rec Ground. Um, we're fortunate to have two cricket ovals there still. Um, so we managed to get two games side by side. We had juniors crank up at 8 o'clock in the morning with two games side by side and then move into the seniors. Um, so basically had our entire association in playing in the one spot um, on, on the same day. So, um, yeah, that was a really cool thing. And we had people uh, come from all over the state um, to come back and reflect upon their time in um, the Wildcatch and Cricket Association and to, um, yeah, reminisce on on all the happy memories and and everything that has happened um, in such a long history. Fantastic, mate. And certainly on behalf of the WA Country Cricket Board, congratulations to those who organised that and went to the effort to, to recognise that. History is huge for us in WA Country Cricket. It's so important, especially for clubs to acknowledge that they have this rich and amazing history and for Wildcatcham Association, not just clubs that are in there, but the association as a whole to celebrate that. It's amazing. A couple of uh, guys that I, I, I've played a bit with over the journey and uh, are still playing state 60s and, and co, uh, Tubby Elliott and Dave O'Shaughnessy, a shout-out to them. There, uh, Every time I've spoken with them, they... They just reflect on their time at Wildcatcham as being the best days of their life. So really, really good. Glad that you did that. So we move into the results of, of different uh, associations around the wheat belt and we'll keep going with Wildcatcham as soon as we're on it. Um, so over to you, Brady. How did, how did the grand final or how did the finals pan out for Wildcatcham this year? Yeah, so um, a big couple of days uh, at, back at the Wiley Rec Ground. Um, Wiley is one of two of the Wheat Belt Associations that still play a two-day grand final. Um, so, yeah, it's a really big event and and something that the everyone who plays in a two-day grand final can be really proud that, that that's something that they've done. Um, but it was the reigning premiers, Korta Kadu, um, facing off against Wongan Hills in the grand final. Um, Korta Kadu batted first and... and uh, got a pretty decent total of eight for 145 um, batting first with Caleb Shadbolt sort of anchoring that innings, uh, making 37 um, off 100 balls. So slow and steady, but yeah, it was really the anchor for, for the side. And on the first day of a two-day match, that's um, 
yeah, really, really important. Mm. Um, the uh, for Cougars, no one took more than five wickets for the match, so it was a real shared effort. Um, but uh, it was basically the runs that got them across the line. Uh, they got four for 201 in, on the second day um, to Wong and Hill's scores of 124 and 117. Hayden Cook was given man of the match. He got 71 and three for 36 on the second day, so really brought him home. Um, Liam McCreary supported him well, making 58 not out in a partnership of 122. Um, but, yeah, Kota Kadu go on to win their second premiership in a row, and unfortunately for Wongan, it's their fourth grand, fong, grand final loss in a row. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I get, I'm guessing um, at Wongan Hills Cricket Club, they're um, hoping it's fifth time lucky next season. Um Quarter, you mentioned Cougars before. I'm gathering that quarter are the Cougars, uh, given the the quarter in Cougar, I suppose. They <laughs> are, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, well, they're, they're a merger of the two clubs, quarter and quarter and Kadoo, but I suppose they've um, they're using the Cougars moniker more frequently now, given they're they're pretty much a northeastern wheatbelt team. They have got guys coming from Kalani, Muck and Boden, Beacon. Um, ben Carbon, they come from everywhere to play for that side. So it's something really special to be almost a regional team within a, a regional association. Yeah, no, that is fantastic. So we move on to the Eastern Districts Cricket Association. So uh, I believe this was um, Nukani, is, I think that's how we say it, versus Condin and Coolin. So over to you. How did that one pan out? Yeah, Nukani um, finished on top of the ladder and would have been felt pretty comfy going in into the grand final. Um, although Condon and Coolan do have some very good cricketers in their side with the likes of uh, Garrick Yandel and, and Tully Bigland, some really good players in country cricket. Um, but Newcarney batted first and from being none for 30, they were rolled for 73 uh, with five ducks in, in the side. Gee. Garrick Yandel rolled through with four for 25 off his nine overs mm. and Tully Bigland three for 11. Um, so the big guns really standing up for Cool and Condinen guys. In reply, Cool and Condinen made it a little bit shaky, passing the score four down, but they they got there and and won their third flag in a row. Um, I guess there's a bit of a theme throughout the the wheat belt comps. There's been a few dynasties, I suppose, um, with teams <laughs> repeating year after year. Um, but yeah, good win for. Uh, cool and Condinen and capped off a big year for Tally Biglin, who got Cricketer of the Year in that competition. And Garrick Yandel is is synonymous with his performances at Country Week over a long journey. Was a former is a former Barry Shepherd medalist as one of the the best going around. I think that year he took some phenomenal amount of wickets. I can't remember how many it was, but it was in the thirties in a in a five game week. It was phenomenal. So yeah. He's uh, certainly still playing some good cricket by the looks of it. So congratulations there to Condinan Condin and Coolan. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we uh, we we wish all the best for Nukani for next season and uh, come back bigger and stronger than ever. Perhaps moving to the Upper Great Southern Cricket Association, and obviously this uh, also involves some pretty significant players in WA country cricket and uh, see some names here. But uh, again, over to you for the uppers result. Yeah, as you say, there's some big names in the uppers um, cricket association. Uh, sort of the linchpin of the wheat belt region, I suppose, um, being our only A-grade side at Country Week. They're a really strong competition with two grades and 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 many – a big. they cover a really big area from uh, Boddington out to Lake Grace now, so – um, they do a good job. Um, but, yeah, the finals got slightly modified due to COVID, as um, as a lot of competitions in WA did this year. 
So mm. instead of having a second chance for first and second, they went to a one v four, two v three format, and it paid off for the the guys that just scraped into the four. So it was um, like Grace after just entering the competition and finishing on top, they were knocked out. Um, as were Kibaling in the semi-finals. So it was a 3v4 mm. grand final. <laughs> so I guess COVID sort of playing into the hands of the third and fourth teams there. But um, Wandering batted first and made eight for 121. Uh, they were going along pretty steadily at none for 68 after 23 overs. But um, the Pindley Noonabin guys with the ball uh, turned it around and, and kept them to a, a pretty chaseable score uh jacob score and brian hardy the two openers were the keys for wandering with 37 and 26 um, but jordan hughes with three for 20 off 10 was uh, very misly and luke mm. kirk and dylan kirk with two wickets each um both really good players um all-round players uh in reply pingley nonabin uh tom bletchenden number three made 39 and and set him up pretty well uh, but dylan kirk came in uh, at number four made 53 not out of 59 balls and and showed what a class player that he is um having played very well this year at country week for upper great southern and as mm-hmm. in in the wa invitational 11 as well uh, in the country cup um so dylan kirk was awarded man of the match uh, and and pingley got their third flag in a row and um, cricket of the year in that competition was rodney ford and i'll just take a little while to acknowledge him because at 39 years of age, he's played 12 games this year in the Upper Great Southern Comp and made 787 runs at 78.7 and 18 wickets at an average of 11.94. So um, he's only a year away from being able to play in the Masters Comp, Rob, so you'll probably be eyeing him (laughs) off for that. But um, no, he's just a class player and and continues to be. He definitely is. He's... uh... He's up there with uh, one of the most amazing cricketers we've produced in WA regional cricket. Um, he's somebody that I tangoed with many times at Country Week over the journey. Williams v Harvey, believe it or not, back in the 2000s was one of the biggest games going around at Country Week. Um, and uh, Rocket, as we know him, um, was a gun back then and he still is now. So uh, well done to Rocket. But well done to the guys out at uh, Pingley Noonabin. Um, I believe that's uh, a, a three-peat for them as well. Is that correct? Yeah, three in a row for them. Um, and coming from third this year, they might not have been that confident in getting there, but um, yeah. the experience showed, I suppose. Um, they've been there and done that and, and got over the line. Yeah, tough one for the guys who, you know, the late Grace or, or and uh, who's the other team you mentioned, I forgot now, but uh, for the guys who finished one, two. Kubaling was second. Kubaling, yeah. yes, Kubaling. Uh, you know, um, possibly could make the case that COVID intervened, like you say. I think, um, sadly, we had to, most associations did have to pivot a bit with what's happening and um, and the result may not be the way they'd hoped uh, given the season they'd had, but congratulations to them anyway on a great season, both teams, um, all four teams making the finals in a really, really strong competition, as you said, one of the strongest possibly in, in regional WA, you could argue. Um, and also you've got the B-grade results there. Yeah, Dunby Young uh, finished top of the ladder, but they got knocked off by Wage and um, two of the really strong teams in in um, the B grade and could both arguably be playing A grade. But, um, yeah, Dunby Young, 8 for 154, uh, got chased down fairly easily by Wajin. Uh, they were only two down and Ben Ball made 114 at a runner ball. So an outstanding wow. effort for him in a grand final. Well, that is, yeah, to, to win a grand final is one thing, but to also then make 100, especially in their score of... Um, 
of uh, eight for one fifty four. That's pretty amazing, really. Um, that's in fact that's incredibly exceptional. All right, so let's move to to Northam. Get another traditional um, wheat belt and strong wheat belt competition. Uh, how did that one play out? Yeah, so they've um, gone to a slightly different format in the last um, few years, where they wrap up their forty over comp uh, in the middle of February. Uh, and then move into a, a separate 2020 season. Um, it's mm-hmm. something that's uh, it's it's worked really well for them, I think. Um, they get five teams in their 40 over comp, but they've got seven in the 2020 comp now, um, which is something that's built up over the last couple of years. So um, it's definitely something that other associations should uh, be looking at, um, not necessarily mm. to adopt, but um, just, yeah, it's nice to see um, associations thinking out of the square and, and um, yeah, really doing what they have to 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 get people to play cricket. Um, but as you say, um, uh, the grand final, forty over grand final was in the middle of February. Um, another two day grand final. Uh, Grass Valley have been the dominant team in that association for probably twenty years um, and continue to be. Um, they got over Balladong, um, which is the um, cricket academy in Northern, run by Bomber Davis, and they they do a really good job there. Um, yeah, but. Low scoring game, Grass Valley were all out for 94 in the first innings um, and nine for 130 in the second innings. Um, Kit Byfield made 48 and 52, so shows showed what a class player he is um, mm-hmm. and has been for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Balladong were all out for 82 and 84. Um, Jermaine Davis Jr. Uh, got three for 11 and four for 14, so an outstanding all-round effort from him, but unfortunately wasn't enough to get his team over the line. Um, for Grass Valley, Evan Clements got three for 14 and Bailey O'Driscoll three for 13 off six in the second innings. Um, but Kit Byfield, outstanding player and, and capped off a good season for him. He got the Cricketer of the Year as well. Some amazing names in WA Country Cricket there. Um, the Byfields, the Davises, you can rattle them out. They've been strongholds of WA Cricket for a long time now. So well done to... Uh, Grass Valley again. Um, congratulations to them. What I'm picking up here, and I'm, I, I, I won't reference it because we'll deal with it uh, a little bit later perhaps, and that is in some of the other associations that's similar. It's funny, grand finals put pressure on that uh, perhaps other games don't normally do because most of these scores are fairly low when you look at them. Ball has really sort of dominated over bat in most of these results. So just shows the pressure that a grand final brings and uh, I guess that's why we we celebrate that as the pinnacle match of each season. Um, let's move into uh, um, S- S- Steve Golan territory, uh, the Avon CA. Uh, Stevie was bemoaning the fact that uh, his team, uh, Beverly, didn't make it this year, but uh, a great game between Tamman and York by the look. Looks, I know that they also had some challenges around COVID uh, this year, but uh, I'll hand over to you again, Brady. Yeah, Beverly just missed out losing their prelim final to Tamman, but um, yeah, Tamman got over the line in that one after losing to York in the second semi. They went the long way around and and got over the line in the end. Um, uh, Luke Button opened the batting and got 38, um, also four for 31 with the ball. Um, he continues to be such a strong player for Tamman and, and for having the Cricket Association as well. Um, but Josh Axel, the um, the copper from Calabaran, he uh, batted outstandingly well, uh, came in needing to do some work on a um, fairly up and down pitch, uh, but got 62 at nearly a run and ball. And then bowling got one for 25 as well. Um, for the 
York boys, uh, Zach Hatfield was had, an, had a great all-round day. Uh, he got three for 25 and then was part of a 52-run ninth, ninth wicket partnership, which was making me as a Tamman supporter very nervous um, towards the end there. Um, <laughs> they got him from eight, eight for 91 uh, and, and got him pretty close. They only, only fell 20 runs short in the end. Uh, but Tamman showed what a what a strong side they are, winning their fourth flag in five years. Um, from their first flag five years ago, or for the first of that lot five years ago, they've got a very different side. This, they've got the core three or four, but the old guys have moved out and there's some young guys that have come in. So they'll continue to be a really strong side for a, a fairly long time, I'd say. Um, Luke Button, having batted, having played really well in the grand final, he was also um, awarded Cricketer of the Year for that association. Fantastic. And, um, yes, I, I did speak to Steve in the lead-up to that grand final. He, he'd call out he thought it would be a ripper and it turns out it, it looked that, it looks like it did turn out that way after all. Um, and um, York, a proud cricket club going back eons, um, and I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll, they'll rebound. I see they were minor premiers um, but just couldn't quite get over the line. So... Well done to Tamman. Congratulations. And um, I think, uh, I'm not sure if you called it out, but that's their fourth flag in five years apparently. Yeah. So Yeah, that's right. They're amazing cricket side. They certainly are for, you know, and, and uh, just if you think wheat belt, you've got to go far out. Tamman's about as wheat belt as you get, isn't it? So uh, as so many of, of the clubs that we've discussed today, the, the, the final association, well, I'm actually going to hold this over. It's the South Midlands Cricket Association um, and um, they've um, been, again, the stalwart of, of WA Country Cricket for a long, long time now, certainly at various times very strong at Country Week. Um, but I'm going to hold over that to uh, a little bit later in this episode because I've got a special report uh, from... Uh, Brian Hall has sent through in regards to that grand final and uh, we might pick that one up at the back end of this particular part of the podcast, part A of of, of episode seven. So, Brady, I want to uh, thank you for your time today. It's been exceptional. Um, as I called out at the start, mate, you're doing incredible things out in a, in a tough region for WA Country Cricket. Um, we're looking forward to to what what 2022 23 holds. Um, I'm sure there'll be a fair bit of footy played before then, but uh, cricket will come around before you know it. Is there any uh, any things that you specifically wanted to focus on, or uh, is it just a matter of whew, that season's over? We'll, we'll get get our heads together and start next year soon. Uh, no, we'll be starting our, our prep for next year. Um, yeah, really soon. Um, Obviously, we've talked about it on the podcast before. You have. Um, we've got Play HQ coming in for this year, which will be a, a bit of a change, um, but a really positive one, I think. Yeah, we've, we're going to be looking to restructure a few things in in terms of juniors and um, and qualification for Country Week, um, just to make pathways for that a little bit easier for both volunteers and for the players. So, um, yeah, I suppose keep your ear to the ground and and um, follow the Wheatbelt Country Cricket on. Um, on Facebook and, and yeah. everywhere else and, and, yeah, keep in the loop because we'll certainly be putting information out there. Yeah, I'm glad you've mentioned that. Exceptional work done by the team um, pumping out the, the Facebook posts and stuff like that. So if you haven't uh, uh, got on board with the, uh, the Wheat Belt fa- Facebook site, make sure you do because um, the, they're not shy in making sure we're all aware of what's going on and most of it's or all of it's really exciting stuff. So well done. 
Mate, it's been a delight to have you on out on the paddock. Uh, those who doubt that this is um, a, a truly um, country podcast, uh, listen into the bird singing away beautifully in the background there at Brady's place. I don't know, just celebrating Dad's on the podcast. I'm guessing. So, what sort of bird is it, Brady? <laughs> uh, I'm actually at Mum and Dad's place. They've got a few canaries oh, yeah. and a fair bit of fish. Canary. So, yeah, no, they love a good sing. They've been singing a good tune right throughout, mate, so I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed that as much as uh, hearing those results. Once again, congratulations to all the the winners and, and just those teams that have made great, great grand finals in um, the Wheatbelt region. Mate, don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you back on the podcast again very soon and uh, talking all things Wheatbelt Cricket Association and cricket regions. Thanks, Rob. I really look forward to it and thanks, everyone, for listening. Cheers, mate. And as one region in the form of Brady Garner slips out of the seat, another one slips in and I'm really thrilled to have on out on the paddock with us for uh, episode seven, uh, Wayne Harrington from down in the Great Southern and uh, again is a is a, a highly valued WA Country Cricket Board board member who joined us a few years ago. Harrow uh, is well known to many around regional WA and uh, has a, a rich cricket history himself. But uh, Wayne, great to have you joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. It is a, more our pleasure, mate. So thanks for joining us. Um, so let's get into let's get into all things Great Southern again. Another stronghold of WA cricket for as long WA country cricket for as long as I can remember, and uh, certainly have called it out even in the last episode that uh, the Wheat Belt Great Southern Region, it, it does merge occasionally over the journey as to where each one lies. Um, but uh, certainly my my uh, my heritage goes back to Wheat Belt and Great Southern in so many ways through, uh, through different forms of cricket. The Southern Smash, it's, uh, we've mentioned it on a recent um, episode of Out on the Paddock. Uh, had a session with Tim Edmonds who called out the results of that amazing event, just going from strength to strength. And uh, I'm pretty pleased to say that uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about next year's event and some pretty big news coming out of the back end of the Southern Smash for next year. Uh, Yeah, we do, Rob. And it's always great to talk about the Southern Smash. We're really proud down here of, of what it brings to the region because I think we've landed on the perfect time of year for it, that that period in between Christmas and New Year is just gold because um, it's been a tradition down here, particularly with things like the Boxing Day races, that a lot of people come back to the region for Christmas to catch up with family and catch up with friends. And that particular race meeting has been a really great get-together for old friends and, and family. And what we've seen over the past two smashes is that a lot of non-cricketing people are now getting down to the event and using it as the base for their get-together for that Christmas New Year period. And it's just fantastic to see so many cricketing and non-cricketing faces, you know, getting around the, the event and enjoying it. But um, I guess one of the things about the event is it takes a hell of a lot of work to put together. And people like the Ryan Kinnears and Nathan Dovies of the world down here, you know, we you can't thank them enough for what they do. It is just enormous and it's a thankless task. It's a logistical nightmare, it really is, but but they keep rolling out for us, which is fantastic. The good news for them, though, is that um, from um, in-swing sports bar in Albany, Adam Pumphrey has um, sort of self-declared himself the new minister for Southern Smash. He's um, very, <laughs> very passionate about this event. Um, you know, he's the uh, the franchise holder of the, the reigning premier, so he... 
you know, he really does enjoy it. Um, but as the new minister for the event, he's been chasing <laughs> up some big names to um, to take, I, I guess, the event to the next level. And that's the important thing here. It would be very easy to stagnate and just leave it where it is, but he has grand designs about taking it um, to a whole new stratosphere. And, um, and I can give you a bit of a scoop here, Rob, uh, for the podcast that um, the ink has now dried on the signing of no less than Tilakaratna Dilshan. You've got to be kidding me. I kid really? you not. I kid you not. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he, um, and look, this is a guy who in all likelihood will be an ICC legend of the game. He'll be a Hall of Famer at some point in, in the near future. Absolutely. And he is absolutely coming to the next Southern Smash and... And for us, that changes everything. Mm, does. It changes everything. There, you know, there'll be kids in, well, they're kids now, but, you know, the Braden Clarks of the world from Bunbury or the Riley Valleys from Albany in years to come when their grandparents will be able to say that they played against or played with Dilshan, you know, down in Albany in a southern smash and wow. that'll be a great yarn for them in the future, I reckon. But I'm led to believe it doesn't stop there. There's maybe... The, the ink may not have dried, but there's some possible other big names coming. Absolutely. Can we reveal those on the podcast? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, I can say to you, and, and Pump is still working very hard in this space, but um, he's having very positive talks with Mark Cosgrove. Right, yep. Um, having very positive talks with Craig Simmons. Right, and, okay. And um, so a couple of big hitters there. And, I was just um, going to say, you're going to need some bigger grounds. <laughs> we are. I'm, I'm not sure that we're doing much for our bowling stocks by talking no. about these batsmen who are coming to Southern Smash next year or later yep. this year. But um, certainly it's going to create some huge interest. And we expect wow. that, you know, guys like uh, Brad Hogg would be absolutely offended if he's not, you know, invited <laughs> back to roll around again because what we saw from the, from the Hoggy experience that he really bought some people out of the woodwork to come and yes. these games. Yeah, I think I called it out in the last episode. I, I was fortunate enough to play a match out in Narragin a few weeks ago, the old dogs versus the young guns who uh, knocked the old dogs off and Hoggy was playing in that match uh, that I was fortunate enough to play in. There was, uh, I'd say, close somewhere between, pick a number between 500 and 1,000 people turned out to watch that match and I assure you they did not come to watch Rob Marshall play. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he drags a crowd, does Hoggy. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> yeah. And he loves it. Just his enthusiasm, just, as I say, it brings people out of the woodwork to come and enjoy he it. He does. Mm-hmm. He does. So it's the week between Christmas and New Year. Have I got that right? That's right. So December, uh, thereabouts, 27 something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. And yep. we'll keep we'll keep on this as the as the year goes on to announce actual physical dates and places and stuff like that. So if you are booking your Christmas holidays now, I'd be penciling in Albany as the number one spot to go because uh, to see Dilshan in, uh, in action, well, that'll be just something spectacular. So uh, I, I know I know where I'll be uh, mentioning to my wife that we might be heading this Christmas. Um, so, mate, uh, it's... The challenges of the cricket season for all regions has been, again, uh, strong this year. Um, and I'm guessing that most of the great southern uh, regions had to do a little bit of fast foot um, uh, fast footwork to, to get their seasons through. Is that uh, how it panned out for most of the regions, uh, most of the associations this year? Yes, it was. And I, and I think we took the lead from places like the Bunbury Association who were very proactive in this and they called it very early. Um, 
and we followed suit, certainly in the Albany and Districts Cricket Association. Um, I think the other associations were able to finish their seasons as they had them planned. Right. Um, in Great Southern and Green Range Ongera, which was fine. Um, yep. I think the good part about the decision that our association made here was that uh, the the top three or four in in all the grades had basically been decided and another three rounds probably wasn't going to bring much more to the table yeah. other than yep. to fine-tune finals preparations. So um, th- there wasn't really any resistance at all to finishing off those seasons quicker. Yeah, no, that's great. We use, it seems to be the word of COVID, the word pivot, but most of the associations had to pivot. Um, and certainly um, I'm pleased that most got through pretty much without any sort of ramifications. The greatest fear was that a club might, you know, feel a bit ripped off or whatever through that decision-making process. But as we talked about in the last episode um, with Steve Phillippe, it certainly was a much better arrangement than two years ago where we had to go wham, bam, and that was it, um, with many associations not able to properly put a full stop on their, their season. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that that hasn't happened again for virtually every region of WA Country Cricket this year. So let, let's get into some results. Um, let's kick off with um, uh, a team that um, has found its way back into Country Week in recent years and seems to be getting themselves together, and that's Green Range Ongarup. Um, I believe the the grand finalists this year, Borden and Jaramungup. Do you want to give us uh, a rundown how that one panned out? Yes, that grand final was uh, was hosted up in Borden, and um, unfortunately it was a fairly low-scoring encounter. Uh, Jerry were able to bat first, having won the toss, but they could only compile 91 runs. Um, we had Miles O'Meehan coming in um, when Jerry were already decimated at seven for, and he finished off the tail, taking three for seven. So um, so that was Jerry wow. done and dusted there. And Borden got the runs pretty quickly. Uh, they only, I think they got the winning runs at two down. Uh, Connor Smallwood went mad and he made an undefeated 50. So uh, that enabled Borden to go on and celebrate in fine style. Well, we celebrate uh, Borden's win, but uh, congratulations also to Jeremungup for uh, their efforts in in making it all the way through to the the season decider. And uh, unfortunately, as I found out with a year 12 team that I coach and uh, went in as somewhat favourites, I guess you could say, into a grand final, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, and uh, I'm sure Jeremungup will uh, recoup and be back bigger and better year, next year with some uh, desire to to knock over Borden and other teams to win a grand final, perhaps. Sure. Let's move into the Great Southern now, um, which is, I think I called it out in the last uh, session with Brady that uh, is 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 very dear to my heart and at one point may have boarded into Wheatbelt, but is definitely uh, very much classed as Great Southern these days. And that is uh, a grand final that um, I reckon just about, you could say was, is or was back in the day one of the biggest events going around when you had a team like Tamble up. You know, if you go back, if you've never studied the the uh, the, the WA country cricket history, uh, certainly in the uh, the book written by Bill Reynolds, uh, 100 Years of Country Week Cricket, Tamble up in the 1940s and 50s was hands down the number one cricket club probably in Western Australia. They had names that are just simply legendary, including players that represented Western Australia, like we talked about earlier with Teague Wiley now doing that uh, currently for Western Australia. 
But Tamblup versus Broomhill. I mentioned Broomhill. It's the home of my my dad. Uh, that's where he played all of his early days of cricket at East Broomhill to give it uh, an absolute uh, direct um, relationship to, to, to that one. So Tamblup v Broomhill. How did that one pan out, Harrow? Look, you know, it's interesting. You look at grand finals and, in fact, any game of cricket, Rob, and I'll, I'll start this by asking you a question. How many times in your career do you reckon you've said, gee, what you'd give for another 20 or 30 runs? <laughs> uh, I, could, often? I, I could tote out two grand finals uh, back in the 2000s where we talk about that over a beer regularly. Yeah, another 20 or 30 runs would have made all the difference. Mm. Well, this was one of those occasions, I reckon, because, um, you know, Tamble up batting first against the almost undefeated Broomhill. I think they only lost one game throughout the year. Um, but they, they got their way after a pretty good start through Jed Herbert. They got their way to, I will say, about eight for 90 or thereabouts, and they were actually going okay. But um, And and the, the thoughts amongst the Broomhill boys at that point was that, gee, I hope we can snuffle out these, these last couple of batsmen because we don't want to be chasing 130 or 40. And fortunately for Broomhill, they were able to do that and they knocked over Tamble up for 104. And you think, well, you'd get those runs every day of the week. And indeed, it looked like Broomhill were going to do that pretty easy. They were, you know, probably about one for 70-odd at, at one stage. But, you know, those last dozen runs are often very, very difficult to get, Rob. <laughs> and, um, they feel like 100 sometimes rather than half a dozen. Sure, yeah. sure. So, you know, next minute you're, you're six for 90-odd chasing those runs and um, the wickets were falling very, very quickly and and I bet the poor old Tamblup guys are thinking, gee, what we would give for another 20 or 30 runs. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, uh, fortunately... Uh, for the Hill, who remember they hadn't won a, a grand final for 57 years, Rob. Oh, wow. This is a, a very long drought that they were trying to break and they were able to do that. Um, Jack Batchelor for, and there's another connection with your family, the, a boy from the Tie Line Road. from Yes, the Tie Line. East Broomhill. Yep. Um, he, he took four for in the, in the middle part for Broomhill with the ball and then opened the batting and goes and scores. 47 or 8 for his team um, to help get him over the line. So they uh, ended up getting the runs um, with just the six down and uh, celebrated long and hard. Well, I've got to tell you, you've just made my day because that's, uh, that's a spectacular result, 57 years. Uh, gee, Dad may have even still had some association the last time they won a grand final in some way or another. So that's an amazing result. Um, like I said, no, in my mind, if you if you you said to me, Wayne, you know, just off the cuff, name a cricket club in WA uh, country cricket that uh, is just synon- synonymous with WA country cricket. I'd probably go Tamble up every time. That that name just was has been such a stronghold in WA country cricket for a long time. So for the Broomhill lads and especially for a boy from the tie line to get over the line, that's uh, that's an amazing result. So congratulations to Broomhill. Let's hope that it's not another 57 years before they crack another one there. Harrow? Yeah, and look, I, I don't think it will be because um, – and I was up there for the game on the weekend and it really was quite amazing. Um, and can I, a shout out to, to Broomhill and Tamblup, the facilities – in both of those towns are amazing. The ground yeah. at Broom Hill is stunning. Beautiful domed sort of surface, very, very short grass, beautiful and green. 
you know, great value for shots, a, a really picturesque sort of place to play cricket. Um, so the Shire of, of Broomhill Tambla doing a great job up there with those facilities. And I know they've got, with support from Cricket Great Southern, um, some support at Broomhill to get some facilities built up there so um, to improve the, the lot of the players and spectators up there. Fantastic. We look forward to that. And, um, uh, again, congratulations to that particular cricket club and what they're doing and working with their Shire to make sure that they uh, they continue an amazing tradition as well. So let's get to um, Albany. Albany's had one hell of a year as an, uh, an association, um, you know, uh, come up slightly short at Country Week this year, but then pulled off a spectacular win in the uh, Belt Up Country Cup recently. Um, it's always these, again, are two clubs that you just rattle off and you go, the history is unbelievable. Mount Barker versus Royals in the grand final of the Albany Cricket Association this year. Over to you. How did that pan out? Yeah, look, and, and there is a bit of history between these clubs now, I think, um, and, and I'll put my Royals hat on here and say that that built up a real rivalry. Um, we Royals and Mount Barker played off in the grand final last year and Mount Barker would probably feel like we pinched a, a premiership from them um, mm-hmm. and, and fair enough. Mount Barker has a very strong side. You, you look at their, their top four, um, five, six batsmen, so it's full of country 11 players, uh, full of uh, an international if mm-hmm. you don't mind, um, Neil Ferreira, a, a former Zimbabwean top order batsman. Mm-hmm. So they are, really are a class act. So, and I guess they had a 20 year drought to overcome as well. So, a very, very determined opposition. So, how it panned out in the rematch this year um, Barker won the toss, batted first. And look, Royals weren't without their opportunities early. Um, I think they had Mount Barker at four for 92 at one point and probably with some very good batsmen back in the shed, Royals felt like they, the momentum was going their way. But, you know, Jeremy Wood, what a classy batsman mm-hmm. and a great cricketer he is and a huge competitor, um, mm-hmm. just could not be removed. He faced mm-hmm. some very good bowling and I think it was probably a lesson to some young players from Royals and, in fact, anyone who was able to be there to watch. Um, very difficult to score when you're back in the shed and sometimes you just have to be patient. And 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 this was a lesson from him in being patient, in seeing off some good bowling and just slowly building momentum. And towards the end of the innings, he was just seeing him like a melon. He's made 64 not out, gets his side to 199. And as, you, as we've just said before, Rob, you know, 199 in a grand final yep. wins probably 95% of them, doesn't it? Definitely does, absolutely. Yeah, and that certainly panned out to be the case. Uh, Royals put on 152. Um, various batsmen got away to a start, but certainly none got to a half century or the century that was required to to win that grand final. So Royals fell 47 runs short, scoring 152, which was probably pretty respectable in the end. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like a cracking grand final. It's one of the few that we've mentioned in this session on Episode 7 that uh, probably runs flowed a bit further than uh, wickets. Uh, most of the other matches we've noted, we just finished with Brady uh, discussing the fact that through most of the Wheatbelt region, regional area and associations ball dominated bat, but sounds like some, some good runs scored in that particular grand final. Uh, brilliant wickets, of course, down in in Albany. Was that played at uh, Albany or at uh, Mount Barker? No, it was played in Albany. Um, all the yep. grand finals were played uh, for 
all of the ADCA games here. So we had yep. A and B grade on turf and C grade over on a hard wicket nearby. So um, sure. it, it was a good day's cricket. Okay, so we celebrate all those winners. Uh, we also celebrate all the teams that have competed in all of those competitions throughout the year, all the efforts, all the all the volunteering that goes in at cricket clubs right around WA regional cricket, but certainly with the focus on, on the, the southern region. Uh, well done to every person that played a part and a role in, in club cricket this year, another challenging year. Looking forward to bigger and better things. We've mentioned the Southern Smash coming up. We, we may not get it, we won't get into it in this episode, but uh, we're going to have you back again, Harry, because there's some stuff going on with some uh, uh, innovative ideas around um, an indoor facility, um, and we may uh, tackle that uh, at a, in a future episode. But uh, for now, mate, uh, you're doing an amazing job. We're very thankful for, to have you on the WA Country Cricket Board. You've brought uh, ideas, innovations, and certainly a, a a sense of understanding WA regional cricket that's been exceptional and we're looking forward to uh, another season ahead uh, and uh, I'll give you the last say how how, how, we, how you see things panning out through the, the coming season. Look, Robert, I thank you for those kind words and, and you, look, there's a lot to look forward to down here as you've just touched on and I won't go into it now but we do have some innovative plans um, across the year. Uh, you may be aware after last winter that it just did not stop raining at any point. So a lot of cricketers went into this season without having had a pre-season at all. Uh, mm. And we really have to do something about that. And we are, mm-hmm. and we are mm-hmm. doing something. So that's something to look forward to. So we've had the scoop of uh, Dilshan on, on this episode of Out on the Paddock. So you heard it first here. Um, but I'd encourage you to tune into a future uh, episode as uh, we also hear some more innovation that's happening down in the southern regions of uh, WA country cricket. So, again, Harrow, thanks for joining us today and uh, all the best for a little bit of maybe a little bit of R&R over the winter. Yeah, thanks very much, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, mate. So we move now from uh, the Great Southern and and thanks for that uh, little session with Wayne Harrington all the way east into the Goldfields and I'm really thrilled to uh, introduce the uh, Eastern Goldfields or Goldfields Region WA Country Cricket Board member and uh, director, James Trail. Welcome to Out on the Paddock. Thanks very much, Rob. It's a privilege to be on board and it is a bit of extreme moving from Harrow up this way and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Although I do have some affinity having been down in that area for 10 or 11 years. So, um, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, it's good, to, to, good to be talking to you, Rob. It is a scary prospect always to have to take over from the great man, isn't <laughs> yes. it? But uh, I think I think I think you're capable. So, and uh, can I just call out too? It's been great to have James join the WA Country Cricket Board and is uh, already kicking major goals for the the Goldfields region and uh, making sure that they're exceptionally uh, represented. So uh, kudos to you already, James. But let's get into a little bit of a wrap on the season. Uh, challenging season. We've heard from Brady and from from Harrow that it's uh, you know had its moments during the season, but they've managed to get through it and traverse through the especially the last part of uh, the last couple of weeks. How's things panned out across the region for for Goldfields this summer? Yeah, look, I think like everybody, it's been challenging. Rob, uh, what's interesting? I've been I'm not pleasantly surprised, but it's been really good how everybody's come together and just worked together to make it happen. And I think that's a 
you know, a great thing. I think we're seeing that through COVID with work and family and life. I think everybody's working closer together. So there's an always always an upside to everything. So there's been no debate about doing things. We cut short one round in seniors EGCA to make sure we got into finals. Juniors followed suit, uh, but everybody's helped each other and, you know, friendlies up this way. We're helping umpiring our games, vice versa. So it's been really good. We've traversed our way through and uh, I'd have to say probably strengthen strengthen friendships, Rob, which is um which is which is good for, for all of us. So yeah, it's been good. And I think that's probably the thing that the outsiders looking in are, are sort of seeing is that sort of a little bit more of a connection, yeah. especially in the in the Cal region. And uh, I think everyone's rejoicing in the fact that uh, we just want everyone playing cricket and enjoying it. And uh, if it means um, uh, you've got to share some resources, which it sounds like you are, that's an amazing result in itself. Yeah, so no, it's been great. great. Thanks. Tough, but it's been good outcome we managed to get through. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the 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 end of the season and the results that have come from that. So we'll go down into the uh, the, the the ocean part of the region down in Esperance, where there's a bit of water and a bit of uh, wind from time to time, a sea breeze. Well, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, a little bit of yeah. wind. <laughs> <laughs> so um, who were the? I've uh, noted down here that the two combatants that uh, saw their way through into the grand final were Newtown and Esperance. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that uh, finished up for that uh, for that grand final? Thanks, Rob. It was it was interesting. Uh, all the finals this way were all quite low scores for the whole you know and yeah. all, all games, which is interesting. No reason, you know. Uh, so Esperance, uh, Newtown batted first, made 125. So um, mm-hmm. Airsy. And uh, Millard took three wickets each, so tight bowling. That was off 41 overs, so 125. So um, Ayersie keeps um, keeps keeps performing around the place, Rob. And so, you know, um, that, that's a, an awesome effort. So he's taken three the, for 19 the, off 8.5. The Peter Pan of Esperance, <laughs> Trevor Ayers. Yeah. Yes, he just never seems to Absolutely. age. <laughs> and, um, so and then, you know, he happens to go out and uh, – in the run chase, they chased him down six down, and he made fifty not out. So, you know that's um that's a fair fair effort. So they chased him six down in about uh, how many overs? They chased him down in 30, 38 overs. So a tight game, but obviously the difference in that game was certainly you know one player making fifty not out in that game in the run. So that was mm-hmm. Esmond succeeding. So yeah, pretty obviously mm-hmm. pretty tight game. But a good, good yep. result for Esperance in the end. So it's funny you're saying about low scores because across the re- all the regions that we've covered in this episode, that has been the trend. And I think what we're calling out is the the pressure that goes with grand finals. You know, we, we quite often throughout the summer see the bat dominate the ball. But when it comes to, you know, preliminary finals, grand finals, suddenly it throws a different uh, sort of spectre on the game, doesn't it? And I think that reflects and and, and probably adds more drama and dimension to the game and that's why we love a good grand final. Yeah, it is and I think, you know, you're right, whether a couple of games here someone batted first one um, but someone batted first, you know, and someone chasing, but you're right, grand finals, finals are different, aren't they, Rob? And you've, you've, yeah. you've been successful in a lot, of, uh, a lot of things and we've seen stuff and it's where you experience counts and uh, the pressure comes on and those people that have played a lot of finals cricket are... Uh, Quite often, sometimes getting people's heads robbed. So, it does, as, yes. As yes. we know, this is maybe a little bit more chat sometimes in a GF. 
Absolutely, yes. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of head that goes into a grand final. That's for sure. Um, okay, so let's move to the the friendlies. And um, I'm uh, I'm I got to admit, and I, I I need to improve in this area. I'm not across all the uh, the clubs in the friendlies, but certainly I am aware that the grand final was played out between Golden City and Veterans. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, it was. And uh, just firstly, remiss was not mentioning that. For Newtown, um, uh, I think but Steve Butler, I think it is, made 78. So yes. 78 off uh, 100, you know, 129 balls out of 125. So sorry, Rob, that's certainly a mention. No. You know, me, I can assure you uh, Steve Butler is as classy as they get. He's uh, yeah, a bit said. like uh, as he's, he's been around the traps a fair while. But uh, wh- Yeah, so apologies. You know, it wouldn't be, it'd be remiss of me not mentioning that for Steve. So Absolutely. I, I look, yeah, in... In the friendlies competition, Golden City have been have dominated the last two years, and it's been a change. Gold Rush and uh, ha- have been have been doing well for a while, and it's it's good to see a bit of a change there. So Golden City batted first and made 165. So a couple of blokes making a couple of blokes making 30. So there was tight bowling for veterans. Uh, Zach Stewart, who's the young lad who's been playing a bit of ETCA and stuff, took. Uh, four for 42, and uh, interesting there, and I actually watched that game, so I went down and watched because as the EG, as the um, friendlies guys have been doing with us, there's been great support umpiring both ways and helping, and um, you know, veterans were under pressure early and uh, only made 136 chasing, so the pressure, no question, grand final, and Golden City had three or four guys up front who just bowled really tight. And that's a good example of what you were talking about where under grand finals pressure comes and guys who'd been making runs for veterans and stuff weren't able to and they they squeezed them. So squeezed them early and they had them sort of three or four for, for only about 50 off the first 17 overs. They play 35 overs. And so, yeah, it was a competitive game. But look, Golden City dominated all year. I think from memory only lost one game and they were probably worthy winners of of that competition, Rob. Yes, so well, well done to the Golden City boys. I'm sure they would have celebrated, as I know the friendlies guys can do, uh, having uh, run across them at Country Week uh, a number of times. So good on them, and I hope they uh, ho- hope they come back again, um, you know, bigger and stronger next year in that competition. And uh, it is again fantastic to hear that there is some collaboration going on uh, amongst those two mighty associations over in the in the Cal uh, region. Um, so let's get to let's get to the EGCA, uh, one of the you know the dominant forces of WA country cricket for a long, long time now, um, and um, one club playing off that's uh, synonymous, Hannons yep. versus a team that's definitely, uh, from what you're tell- telling me, uh, going through a bit of a, a purple patch over the last few years in in Great Boulder. How did that one pan out? Yeah, look, thanks. Uh, Great Boulder dominated all year in A grade and. Uh, it's a credit to their club and the setup they've got and the players and things. So there's some real leadership going on. They've got some real strength through their B-grade sides, one, two in a row. I think they've lost one or two games in two seasons. So, wow. you know, that's, that's, a, that, that's a really good effort and a credit to the GB's club. And I think the reason they've been strong is they've, they've got a lot of juniors, sort of 16, 17, 18, Rob, but they're giving them a crack, which is great to see. Yep. And from a competition yep. perspective... Everybody's been doing the right thing by 
you know, yes, playing hard, but also looking after those lads and respecting them as well. So that's been a credit to GB. So GB's batted first and were were rolled for 94. So that was a real um, turn up for for the book. So Hannon's won their last two games. They won the last two of the year season. They beat North Cal in the uh, prelim. So they got in. So worthy worthy to get in there. And they 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 beat them. Or they beat them in the end. They chased chased them down six down. But um, yeah, it was a, it was certainly unexpected, but a credit to the you know the Hannons Cricket Club, and uh, I think the the star there for Hannons was um, uh, Luke Boxall, who a lad who's um, it's interesting, isn't it, Rob? Is young men growing up, and you you watch young men growing up, and he settled down this season and had a brilliant season, and um, so that's been really good for the Hannons Cricket Club. So they made ninety four. Josh uh, Josh Rushmore, um, Josh Rushmore did well again as he has done all year. He made sort of thirty odd. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a really good game in the end. So uh, a tight chase, and uh, yeah, close in the end. But Hannon's got the the chockies. So yeah, a bit of a you could say a bit of an upset there yeah. in that grand final. And um, again, it sounds like uh, the ball dominated the bat and uh, players. Re- react differently in in grand finals as we've talked about, and it seems to have been the thread across uh, all the three regions that we've covered off in in this episode. Hannons are a, a name that's synonymous with the EGCA, um, as I said, a powerhouse of WA country cricket, that yeah. uh, competition for a very long time now. So congratulations to Hannons, commiserations to Great Boulder. It sounds like uh, they're they're a club that's still well and truly in the in the window for years to come. So uh, I'm sure they'll regroup and come back again next year, bigger and better. Yeah, they are, and I suppose that leaves, as we know, when you're, uh, you know, it's tough to win back to back in competitions, isn't it? In strong, you know, strong yep. competitions, and so, you know, close, and they'll come back hungry again next year. So they'll be a, you know, they'll be a force to to reckon with the the GBs, and they've got a strong club all the way through. So, again, a credit to them, but well done to Hannons and uh, the the man of the match and the winner of the Cranston medal, which is obviously from the, the, the Kalgoorlie EGCA circumstances. are very proud to win that, and that was uh, Luke Boxall from uh, Hannons. So, mm. well done to mm. him who had a really great year and uh, finished off really strongly. Yeah, no, fantastic. Congratulations to Luke. Well, James, thanks uh, for joining us today on on Out on the Paddock. Um, I don't want you to be a stranger or we don't want you to be a stranger because we're really keen to to follow um, Goldfields this uh, through through the off-season. So we'll have you you're back on hopefully again. And um, I know having talked to you the other day, there's some really exciting innovations already in plan for next year um, and a number of things that are, will certainly... Um, uh, we're going to promote as much as we can because we want people to get around it and uh, and really enjoy the fact that Goldfields Cricket is alive and well across a number of associations. Um, as seen by, um, you know, we, we called it out in the last episode, Esperance 2 had a fantastic win in E section at Country Week this year. Yeah, 100%. So, um, you know, clearly uh, some great cricketers still running around out in the Goldfields. Yeah, look, thanks, Rob, and credit to the initiative with, you know, the with... Um, the podcast and things too. It's it's starting to bring cricket live again, and some real interest being shown, and it's being shown by the viewers hooking in. So, well done to you for the initiative and the board, and uh, it's great to see everybody working together for the benefit of cricket too. So, thanks for the opportunity, and uh, 
let's hope next year, next season, Rob is slightly less interrupted this year. But um, cricket's uh, yep. cricket's alive and well in in the regions, alive and well in the gold fields, and alive and well everywhere else. And well done to you, you know, leading us and things too. And just keep up the great work. Thanks, James. And uh, like I say, we will have you back again very soon and uh, and, and continue to talk all things Goldfields cricket. And uh, we, uh, especially for the administrators, volunteers out that way, as we call out for all our regions, we hope that you can get a little bit of downtime. You know, cricket is uh, <laughs> an all-consuming thing for the administrators, uh, let alone the players. Yep. And uh, so the opportunity maybe to get a little bit of downtime, but also continue to work forward positively and with innovation towards the next season. Like you say, we're all hoping for uh, some sort of normality, whatever that's going to look like moving. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, mate. Good on you, James. Thanks for the privilege of being on. It's awesome. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, mate. To finish off Episode 7, Part A, we're going to uh, put a bit of a special focus on two recent results that we believe need a a major call-out and uh, ones that uh, we hope that you'll tune into and uh, appreciate. The first one is the recent wrapping up of the Women's Country Week. It played in Geraldton back in the late part of January. Uh, We put a, a focus on Women's Country Week leading into it and it was everything that everybody hoped it would be, a fantastic carnival um, played by or played with several teams from Geraldton, two teams from Geraldton, two from Bunbury, a team from the Southern Scorpions, a team from Peel and a team that travelled down from West Pilbara. All teams played, the ladies played amazing cricket during that carnival. Uh, There were some very close results. There were some results that uh, went uh, surprisingly one way or the other. But when it came down to it, the two host teams, the two Geraldton teams, uh, proved to be the best during the week and fought out the final result, um, a grand final. And uh, in that match, Geraldton B batted first and were blown away, all out for 35, um, mostly on the back end of an incredible bowling performance from Ashlyn Thompson, who took four for five from three overs and also Samantha Bitterscombe, who chimed in with two for five off her four overs. And simply that was always going to prove somewhat challenging for the uh, the Gero B team to try and come back from. And as a result, the Geraldton A team ended up this year's premiers, this year's winners of the Women's Country Week after completing... Uh, tracking down the 35 runs off seven overs with Meg Spalding um, belting a quick 18 off 24 balls and also supported by Doraini uh, Kirby, who made six not out. So congratulations. Geraldton have clearly been the uh, leaders in women's cricket um, over the last few years and the fact that they've been able to host in their hometown and to be able to display their incredible talents Uh, Congratulations to both Geraldton teams who clearly uh, showed that Geraldton are the the leaders currently in women's cricket in uh, WA country cricket. But uh, not to be denied, Bunbury, the Southern Scorpions, Peel and West Pilbara all played exceptional cricket during the week. And uh, in particular, I know that Bunbury are very keen to... uh, to, uh, to avenge as they get to host next year's event in 2023 um, down in the Bunbury region. So we're really looking forward to that as the women's 
Country Week continues to grow and continues to create incredible excitement. Well done to, again, all the organisers, everybody involved in making that a special event back in late January. And then the other feature we want to make, and I called it out earlier with uh, the interview that we did with Brady Garner from the Wheatbelt region, and that is to put a really special focus. We've uh, we focused on uh, a lot of results so far from all around Western Australia, and we will, in the next episode, pick up on the remaining regions that we haven't covered in this episode. But to finish off with, we wanted to put, uh, in particular, a special lens on an amazing association uh, that has been a stalwart of WA cricket, WA country cricket for a very long time now. Uh, I managed to have many a great battle with this particular association over many years at Senior Country Week, and that's the South Midlands Cricket Association. They've found this season extremely challenging and uh, numbers have been somewhat difficult for a number of their teams to be able to complete uh, the season successfully, but they, they managed to do that. And they had one of the, well, from the reports that I'm getting, one of the most amazing grand finals they've had in many, many years. And I want to give a shout out to uh, an old mate of mine, uh, an amazing cricketer in his own, um, uh, in his, uh, through his own efforts over a very long time and also continues to give back to WA country cricket, and that's Brian Hall. Um, I got to play with Brian in the inaugural Masters versus Country um, Colts match back in 2012. Brian's cricket cred is uh, well known to many. And he reached out to me and said, look, can we get, you know, a special report given on what was an amazing grand final recently played in the South Midlands Cricket Association. So here's Brian's report. I want to read it to you verbatim. It goes like this. After a solid win in the semi-final against Mora, Bindoon Cricket Club took on the top of the table Jinjin Reds Cricket Club, who were looking for five premierships in a row in the South Midlands Cricket Association Grand Final. Jinjin skipper Jake Edwards won the toss and elected to bat. Jinjin got off to a solid start with openers Edwards and Will Rowe putting on 34 before Ian Boxall struck for Bindoon, dismissing Will Rowe for 23. Jinjin's star-started batting lineup struggled to put partnerships together, despite the efforts of skipper Edwards, who comp- compiled a well-made 40 um, against some tight Bindoon bowling. Jinjin clawed their way to 115 all-out, with Josh Brennan the pick of the bowlers for Bindoon, claiming four for 23 off seven overs, including the prize scalp of Cameron Yates. Brennan was well supported by left-arm orthodox spinner John McAndrew, who chipped in with two for two from three overs. uh, Bradley Petrzek, two for 35 off nine. James Whiteley, one for 12. And Boxall, one for 17. In reply, Bindoon were in early trouble, falling to three for 21 before a 48-run fifth-wicket partnership between Joel Johnson and skipper Ash Martin looked to steady the innings. When Johnson fell for 17 with the score 4 for 69, Bindoon looked in control of the run chase with some quality it left still in the shed. However, wickets began to fall as the pressure mounted from the quality Jinjin attack with Martin, the ninth wicket to fall for a heroic skipper's knock of 45. Bindoon still required nine runs for victory. James Whiteley batting at number 11 strode to the crease to join number 10, John McAndrew, in what was a tense final few overs. 
while Whiteley pushed a late cut behind point to get Bindoon over the line in what was an amazing and fantastic grand final played in good spirits by both sides. The pick of the bowlers for Jinjin were Ed Grant, who took three for 22, Cameron Yates, two for 12, and Fred Rowe, two for 16. Bindoon skipper Ash Martin took out the man of the match for his innings of 45 in the successful run chase. Jinjin Stalwart and South Midlands Association President Steve Belcom played his 300th game for Jinjin in the grand final. Possibly not working out the way that Steve may have hoped it to, but uh, Steve, that is um, just an incredible effort in its own right. 300 games for any one particular cricket club is, is a phenomenal performance. Whilst we applaud uh, Bindoon, well done to Bindoon. That's an amazing result in a, in a, in a truly amazing grand final. Uh, we also want to honour Steve Belcom and his 300th game for Jinjin. And the fact that uh, South Midlands Cricket Association battled through to the end of this season, they're looking to really regenerate and try and reinvigorate the competition again next year. So we want to use the opportunity to call out that uh, clubs like Mora, Lower Chittering and Miling are all on the, the lookout for some quality cricketers or any, any cricketers who just want to have a red-hot go to come and join their clubs. And uh, we'd really encourage you, if you know somebody or you've got a, a relation or maybe a son or, a, or, or, or whatever it may be that uh, be the connection uh, with the South Midlands area, please encourage anybody to, to reach out to, to perhaps more a lower chittering or miling or even Jinjin or Bindoon to continue to make what's been an incredible association even greater into the future. And I want to again thanks Brian, uh, thank Brian Hall uh, for sending that through to us and we really, really want to use this out on the Paddock podcast to, to promote any associations who are looking to, to continue to grow their, their competitions and we celebrate the South Midlands Cricket Association and what they've done over a very, very long time. So that brings to, that's a wrap. That brings to an end uh, this session or this episode of um, Out on the Paddock. I want to thank all my guests during this episode, Brady Garner, um, Harrow down in the, in the Great Southern, uh, also James Trail, and, of course, again, Brian Hall for uh, bringing that info to us um, here on Out on the Paddock. And I want you to hang on because part B of episode seven features a phenomenal cricketer from uh, days gone by, not so far ago, and it was uh, called out. It's part of uh, the trilogy that we're going to run through out on the paddock for a famous match played back in 2005, a country cup match that uh, is gone down in folklore. Hang on, make sure you tune in to episode seven, part B, the amazing story of Richard Savage.